a rainy Wednesday in Rock Hill. We're on our way to the Big South Tournament. Off to the tournament, hoping to win a championship. I am almost sure we will not impact whether Winthrop <laughs> cuts down the nets or no, not. No, we will not. We will not. We can guarantee that, well, hopefully provide an entertaining broadcast and hopefully a good, uh, good build-up to that, even though uh, this is our first bearded car cast in the rain. Yeah, the weather is not particularly nice, which is a Big South Conference tournament <laughs> tradition unlike any other. I mean, you go to the beach and the weather is yeah. cold. We, we typically don't have great weather, but Asheville is a great city. We're taking a different route than we did last week. And, and maybe after the way the team played last week, a different route is in order. They got picked a bad week to have a bad week. Yeah, we were down there last Thursday. Winthrop had an opportunity to win and host the conference tournament, and it did not go well. But now your back's against the wall and all the cliches, and last week was merely a great opportunity. So now you talk about Xavier Cooks and Andres Broman and the seniors with having to win to keep their career alive. And we just watched practice, and we've watched film, and we're going to go to shoot around tomorrow morning. And tonight, we're going to find a good restaurant and maybe find a good brew and enjoy a great city, hopefully, that we're going to be in for several days. Asheville, as we discussed last week, the San Francisco of the East. What were some of the other? Do you remember any of the other? Uh, the happiest city or something like that? Yeah, I mean, but we didn't talk on the CarCast last week We didn't talk about, about what we did, though. Right, exactly. And what we did was phenomenal. It was a bright, beautiful, sunny day, and we went to one of the highest points in the city, a brand new hotel, and we went up to the, the top floor out on the deck there and kind of looked out on the city, and we did a little shopping, and then we went to a, a terrific restaurant in West Asheville. You and I have recently discovered how much we like West Asheville. Yeah, West Asheville was great, and Nine Mile was a Caribbean-style restaurant, and for the money, I mean, I think my entree was... I don't know, nine bucks, almost yeah. ten bucks, and it was—I mean, it wasn't like a huge plate of food, but it was—it was certainly good, very flavorful. We were there with four people, and the tab was under fifty bucks for a meal that, in a major city, you know, New York or San Francisco, I don't know. I think it's a hundred and twenty-dollar meal. Yeah, I mean, it was—it was phenomenal. It was so good, and uh, yeah, I, I love eating Asheville and. I like drinking in Asheville, and I like shopping in Asheville, but we're going to watch basketball, and maybe some of those other things will take place too, but it will be a successful week if Winthrop uh, Winthrop wins a few games and goes to the NCAA tournament. We just talked to Xavier Cooks at the Coliseum before we left for an interview that we'll run on our pregame show tomorrow, and I thought it was really interesting when I asked him what happened last week, and he said, blame Xavier Cooks yeah. for those two games. He was named Player of the Year, so you know maybe uh, maybe we can look past those games and move on and, and have an awfully fun week. I thought it was interesting when you asked him about that, when you said, were they team? Because the team wins, he always credits the team. And you said, was this a team loss or a Xavier Cooks loss? And he put it squarely on his shoulders. I yeah. thought that was interesting. 
feels like a senior thing to do, and yeah. it certainly was a, a team effort, and a bunch of guys didn't play their best game, but he didn't have a great week. Uh, but that's last week. And, that's and last week. He's and had a great four week. years. Yeah. So. yeah, and Big South Conference uh, Player of the Year, which was well-deserved. And, and I think for people that are new to Winthrop or haven't really watched Winthrop at all this year, uh, Xavier is a 6'8", kind of a four player, but he, he really can play one through five. He can dribble the basketball. Uh, he's been known to, on occasion to rebound and then dribble it up the floor and take it all the way to the rim himself. Yeah, he often initiates the offense. It's it's modern basketball. I mean, at one point, if you didn't have a point guard and Winthrop plays Gardner-Webb in the semifinals tomorrow and their point guard, Christian Turner, is in the concussion protocol and may not play, at one time, if your point guard was hurt or in foul trouble or what have you, you were in for a disaster. Modern basketball has a lot of different yeah. guys that can initiate the offense, and it's more free-flowing, and the, the game has changed. And college basketball, perhaps, Mike, is yeah. about to change dramatically itself. Well, you know, it's interesting. The last couple of days, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, the, the budding scandal involving the FBI and, and players being paid and money coming from agents and coaches being involved. You know, the, the Sean Miller uh, stuff, I know now people are starting to, I don't know what to say, debunk the ESPN article, but essentially ESPN put a headline out last week that they that uh, the authorities have Sean Miller on tape discussing payer employment. And, you know, maybe the issue, you know, and I, I know we discussed this a little bit last week, but, you know, maybe the time has come to strengthen up the G League and make it more more amenable for 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 kids that just really don't want to go to college but want to continue to play basketball, you know, maybe the NBA needs to go to like a, a, a baseball model where you can, you know, you, you can come out right away. Now, maybe if the baseball model were to hold true, maybe you have the option at that point to either go pro at 18 or then you have, you know, three years in, in college before you can come back out again. Yeah, but there's a problem with that, and it's a major problem. If you make players go to college for three years, the product of college basketball is going to stink just like the product of college baseball stinks. Nobody wants to watch college baseball. And no one wants to watch college baseball because the quality of play is below single-A baseball. There are 18 layers of baseball better than college baseball. So if you say, yeah, we're going to make players go to college for three years, college basketball, I mean, the game will still exist, and the diehards will still watch, but all of the, oh, I remember when Kevin Durant was in college. Oh, I remember when Ben Simmons was in college. All of that goes away. You lose the high-end talent. But I disagree with that. Don't you think that there's an element of the market at play? I mean, the, the NBA isn't going to take every all the best. You know, yeah, they will take the, the top-tier kids, but they're not going to. Why is the NBA going to want to develop seven, you know, five, six, seven, eight players that they know aren't going to make it to the NBA when they can let those kids go to college? And if they go to college and develop, well, then we'll, we'll draft them on the back end. I mean, you're, take, you're going to take away the top 10 or 15 or 20 players in the country every year. And maybe more than that, because people don't want to commit to playing three years of basketball, college basketball, then starting the five years or whatever it is, four years before you can become a free agent in the NBA. You're penalizing players for going to college. I don't think that works in any way, shape, or form. But I think there are ways that you can kind of take the middle ground, which is 
why can't players be drafted out of college, I'm sorry, drafted out of high school, like NHL players are, and then play college basketball? So you are drafted by the Detroit Pistons, and you have decided that you are going to continue your education at Georgetown, and you play a year at Georgetown, and then you reassess after the year whether you want to go to the Pistons or whether you want to stay at Georgetown. And there are a million different ways you can do this. You can have a signing bonus situation that if you're still playing college goes into escrow, or you can not pay the player in college, but the timetable before he becomes a free agent starts at the moment he graduates from high school and then he can either go to the G League or he can go to college or he can start playing in the pros. But the idea of the baseball system is going to eliminate all of the players we talk about. Marvin Bagley, no chance in the world. DeAndre Aiden, no chance in the world. I don't want to make college basketball worse. I want to make it better. Right. In order right. to make it better, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs cleaning up. But you can't get rid of the best players. That doesn't make sense. I think kids, some kids would still go to college. Of course. Most kids would still go to college. Just not the best, most marketable right. kids. I mean, the fact that Kevin Durant went to college or Carmelo Anthony went to college, to some people, is meaningful. As a Syracuse alum, it's meaningful to me to have that one-year experience. But was Carmelo Anthony... Or was Kevin Durant paid? Was something dirty going on? I have no idea, but it seems likely to me that it was because they're marketable as 18-year-olds. So why shouldn't they be able to, in some way, benefit from that? What is the harm in Kevin Durant at 18 making money from Texas selling his jersey with his name on it or number on it or signing an autograph. What's the problem with that? I don't think there's any problem with that. I think they, they should be allowed to to enjoy the benefits of that. Right. I'm not saying pay the players. Right. But if it's your own likeness, what what's well, that's the, the issue? It's basically the abandon suit, right? Is, right. Is the fact that the they don't control their own likenesses. And the the bigger issue though is the scale is different. You know, like 50 years ago, there weren't the revenues that are that are in the game right now. And, and when you talk about what's... Right, how, how is this amateurism? scandals forever. It, it's not as though this is the first time anything like this has ever come up. It's been happening for decades. There's money in sports, period. And if you don't allow the participants to cash in on it, there's going to be a black market for it. Right. So you you want to uphold, or maybe you want to uphold, that amateurism. Sure, but you, you can't have a blanket, this is a billion dollar industry and the people participating make zero. But that doesn't mean you have to change the model completely. What's the problem with having a discussion with an agent so you can gauge whether you should go to the G League or you should go to the NBA or you should stay in college. I'm not suggesting that 
you need to have a contract with an agent, though I'm not sure how that's a huge problem. I'd rather you have that a contract with an agent above boards that we're all familiar with and aware of than under the table, which is what we have now. You gotta take out the black market. Right. And the way to do that is to say, we understand that this is a hundred million dollar or a billion dollar industry. We get that this is a part of the deal. We're gonna make concessions to that, but we're still gonna have our rules, but here is what we consider a very reasonable system. Now, if you opt out of that system, that's fine. I think the ideal setup would be just like a college baseball player has the opportunity to go to college, except for not having the three-year restriction, like college hockey, right. or you can go play minor league hockey, or you can be good enough to be in the NHL. If a player wants right now to skip college basketball, go play professionally overseas, and then go to the NBA, they can do that. It could be the same thing with the G League. Why couldn't a player potentially play their, play as a G League player or have the choice instead of that to go to college? What, why do those have to be one or the other? Why couldn't you do both? Also, college baseball players finish the season and then they can go play minor league baseball yeah. that season. Now, I understand the problem with classes and semesters and you wouldn't want people going straight from March Madness to the G League or the NBA, but let's live in the real world. If you are one of the top prospects in the country, exactly. If you're one of the top prospects in the country, you go from March Madness to working out with a personal trainer, yeah. not taking biology. Right. Yeah. Like you well, baseball does it too. Those guys leave like the College World Series and they right, go to but A-ball. the semester's over at that point. Whereas in college basketball, right. you still have a month or two left in the academic calendar. But the elite, the top guys, aren't going back to take classes anyway at that point. They're working out and getting ready for the combine and getting ready for the draft. So why couldn't we set up a system where everybody is eligible to be drafted out of high school. However, if the NBA wants to keep their restriction that you're not eligible to play in the NBA for a year, fine. You can play in the G League. You can go play in college. Everybody's clock for free agency starts at the same time. And then year by year, you can make a decision. What, what, what's the issue with that? I don't think there's any issue with that. Looks like school's getting out at Northwestern High School. Yeah, I'm gonna beat this traffic here. Think people are gonna take the day off and head to Asheville tomorrow? Do you feel that the FBI scandal impacts the NCAA tournament? I think if that were to happen, it would have happened already. As far as if, if, if um, I mean, nothing, there's been no, outside of the early arrests, I mean, there's no new arrests. So I don't know that any kind of suspensions like that would have been handed down now. The big thing is what happens with Sean Miller. I mean, that could, if, um, well, if something happens there, um, beyond the fact that he didn't coach the other night, I mean, 
It's interesting that you took that question that way. I mean, they're going to hold the NCAA tournament because there's too much money in line. I mean, like, are you going to watch it differently? Oh. Do you do you look at it in a different way? Are ratings going to be down? When you fill out your bracket, are you going to X out all the teams that have been involved in this? No, like, like, and I'll tell you why it's not going to make one iota difference. Because, yeah, the average... Not the average. Let's say the, the more sophisticated fan might do some of those things that you suggested. But that's not going to have any bearing on office pools, on on your pools you do with your friends. You're still going to fill out all the brackets. You're still going to watch games. I don't think if it has if it has any kind of effect that way, I would say it's minimal. And what about on the court? A team like Arizona or Southern Cal or Michigan State that kind of had their name bandied about in this stuff, does it hurt their chances? They've played all season with it, so I don't know that it would affect them in the tournament. But I mean, you know that something else could come out at any moment. Like, should I text Pete Thamel right now? <laughs> like, like Pete, what do you have in yeah, store for know, us? Because the, the last time I sent a note to Pete, he said, keep your eyes and ears open. I mean, it's pretty clear to anyone paying any sort of attention, like, this isn't the end of it. No, but here, well, let's take it in this direction. And I don't know if prosecutors would think this way, but if you really wanted to make a splash about this you know, the corruption in, in the sport, maybe you do your next round of arrests as teams are getting on the bus to go to the tournament. Right. All right. And, and we, I have no idea, yeah. but like, yeah. I mean, isn't it a little bit poetic that things came out right at the end of February, yeah. start of March? I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if more stuff yeah. comes out. How, how does that, like, so when you fill out your pool and you're at the end and you're going, uh, Duke and Villanova. Like, you're not thinking to yourself, man, I did see Duke's name in that report. What about the fact that, like, I don't know what's coming down the pipe. Maybe maybe Villanova? Yeah, but you have to go with the information you have at, the hand, at that hand at that time. So you can't... I don't know. I mean, that's... You're a little more analytical than I am. I, I don't know that I would take it to that nth degree in determining teams in the tournament as to... You know whether one is, you know, one is an Adidas school and one has the potential for. Uh, I mean, it's been corruption. written. Pat Forty had it in the article last week that while nothing with Kansas has really come out, there is a thought that Kansas might be involved in this. So you don't even hesitate if you think Kansas is the best team in the West bracket, moving them to the Final Four. Don't doesn't even come into your mind. I think it's risk-reward, right? I mean, you can take the other part of the equation, which is what if nothing happens? Sure. So if you if you make that adjustment and you don't put Kansas in there, then you could be – well, you know what's going to happen. The, the person that pays no attention to, to college basketball throughout the year and only picks on names or colors or mascots and gets lucky with, like, you know – 10 or 15 top tier schools getting bounced out of the tournament, that person's going to win because yeah, they would have had, you know, Lehigh going to the Final Four anyway. Right. <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I, I always in on Lehigh that, when they were the engineers. I just don't like that change to Mountain Hawks. Yeah. Um, there's nothing offensive about engineers. No. My uncle's a Lehigh alum. We've been talking about that for 20 years. I don't know. Is it going to affect how you um, fill out your bracket? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because... At the beginning of the year, my dad was in Lake Tahoe, 
and we were talking about futures and who the best teams were and you know you have that long list of teams and odds and I said I have no strong opinions other than the teams that have had assistant coaches arrested I'd stay away from them and I, I think more of that stuff is coming and I think the further you get in the tournament the more questions you're getting during press conferences I think it's a distraction I think it's a problem and much much more so for Arizona and Michigan State right, right. than Duke I mean what what we've learned about Duke what thus far right. seems like a pretty minor thing that's not to say there's not more to come but what we know at this particular moment they appear like one of 30 or 40 or 50 schools that have kind of minor stuff but Michigan State yeah I'm not going to pick them I, there, there's too much and oh man you guys are in the Elite Eight. First question what do you have to say about Larry Nasser? second question what yeah. do you have to say about Bridges over and over yeah, but you that's got to wear on you I, I, but I think the story with Nasser is past though I don't know if they'll get those questions in the tournament I can't imagine them not it's a new group of media members it's more people trying to write stories I, I just but how I, are you advancing the story you're just going to write the same old story from two months ago well I agree with you, but it would be surprising. No, somebody to will me. Add, I, I right. would, uh, No, somebody but, will maybe answer. Right, ask but one then question, it comes but. back up again. You just, it, it, you just never can move on. And as much as Tom Izzo can say, "I'm here to talk about the game," didn't we rebound? Great. Like you're going to keep yeah. hearing that stuff. You're going to have to pay attention to that stuff. I, I I would just prefer in a year that appears to be wide open. There are a lot of teams that seem to be in contention I just prefer to take a team that looks appears the evidence we have at this point suggests isn't involved right but if I think you also have to look at the competitiveness of the team if they're playing well and they're you know like especially if they've won their conference tournament you know like especially for the Big Ten if Michigan State wins the Big Ten tournament they're going to New York. They're going to answer. They're going to go through that same yep. cauldron you're just talking about, but in a in a microcosm, maybe in a, maybe a bigger cosm because it's New York City. Yeah, and then you're going to do it again in the first yeah, round. Yeah, but if you but again if, in the Sweet yeah, Sixteen, I don't know. Again in the Final Four, and maybe somebody, Michigan State, is talented enough, well coached enough, good enough administration. Which, by the way, I think Michigan State doesn't have a president or AD right now to overcome that stuff and maybe it's a us against the world thing maybe you gain something from it but for me handicapping it it looks to me to be a pretty wide open year I'm going to try to steer clear of those teams in a 50-50 situation do you like this team or that team I think I'll take the one that didn't appear in the report and that's and that's fair I think that's fair to, to but it wouldn't be I don't for me it wouldn't be the overriding like I wouldn't automatically discount a top I'm, tier team because of that but yeah if it came down to you know, Team A or Team B, and Team B had no issues. Yeah, you probably would lean towards Team B. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But but to me, it's not the overarching. I'm saying it's not for me a disqualification off the bat. No, if you think Winthrop's clean, I still don't think they're going to win the national championship. When I worked in Burlington, Vermont, doing women's basketball at the University of Vermont, shortly after I graduated from college, on the side I did substitute teaching. Really? I did not know that. I did. And it would range from little kids to yeah. high school kids. And as you and I have discussed before, I uh, I like 
older kids better. Yeah, you can you just do. have more adult conversations. Yeah. You can kind of see where their life is going and they have more of a personality. Well, one day I was substituting. I loved this school because I could walk there from where I lived, right yeah. on the corner of Church and Main Street it's in downtown Burlington. Exactly. So it's a very, very, very cold day. It might have been the first day back after the holiday break. Wow. So it might have been January. Yeah. And I was substitute teaching kindergarten. Oh, wow. And That's like I, your nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I get the lessons plans. And the first thing to do is sit around in a circle. Right. On the floor. Teaching ball screens? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> we, we talked about whether it's Hedging. ice sideline ball screens <laughs> or... Uh, um, so the lesson plan said have everyone share what they did over the break right. something along yeah. those lines so the kids all did that and then we were transitioning to the next thing which was something at the desks and during this transition period this adorable little girl came up to me and said uh, Mr. Friedman Mr. Friedman I forgot I forgot to share something I said oh okay well well, what's that? And she said, uh, over the break, my neighbor won the lottery. Oh, so, oh that's amazing. I go, how much did they win? And she goes, a million dollars. Wow. Oh, my God. That's that's fabulous. I said, uh, well, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And she paused and she thought about it. And you can, like, look into her face and see, like, her eyes in the back of her head, like, in deep, yeah. like, inner thought and she goes I'd buy a giraffe <laughs> that's awesome so that that's my yeah. common answer to what could you do with as much money I, I, I'd buy a giraffe I mean who who wouldn't want a pet giraffe like like well, would Maddie you, would like a pet giraffe well, Maddie right? would love a pet giraffe oh she would sit there and just bark at that thing all day long <laughs> my dog well we just had National Hippo Day recently didn't we we did yeah. we did have would National you buy a hippo? hippo Day you have to buy two, right? You can't get just one. Um, or hippos, you got something in pairs? Well, I, I guess if you were to buy a hippo, you would need to buy a setting for it because hippos need to be submerged in water yeah. for Oh, wow. Speaking a of wildlife, of there's a dog just cut in front of us. Yeah, wow. And that looks like that dog has a collar on it, so it's not like no, it's a not, wild dog. Right. That's someone's dog running across a four-lane road. Did you see the story? Uh, it was video, actually. Um, it was one of those, I think it was in L.A. It was one of those like L.A. police chases, and they had the helicopter overhead. Did they use the pit maneuver? Because no. if they didn't use the pit maneuver, it doesn't count. No, no, no. They they employed the canine. So so the guy, like, I don't know if he ran out of gas or he just hit the end of the road, dead end, whatever. So he gets out of the car, and he starts sprinting. And so you see him running, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, <laughs> you just see this dog come out of nowhere, jump on him, bring him down, and then the cops caught up with him, and put him in the that custody. was all she wrote that's all she wrote good good form tackle by the dog so when will uh when will he uh have to stand in front of lancito yeah i don't know that's a good question dave this is a good point to remind people that if they like the bearded car cast not just email us bearded at outlook.com or follow us on twitter at bearded carcast but tell a friend get them involved it's easy and now it's on itunes that's right my buddy texted me today and was like, way behind in the car cast. I just heard the uh, 
Lorax story. Classic. Oh my gosh, that's like episode four. Yeah, throw a penalty flag. Yeah, no kidding. No, actually, that was episode five. I think it was episode five. Yeah. Mike has an encyclopedia memory of what we talk about on. No, I just remember. No, I remember episode five because episode five was the one where we really had. I thought kind of. It was more offbeat, um, like more life issues. I like that you can. You have a a feel and a vibe on each of the car casts. At the end of it, you go. Yeah, I mean, good for this demo, but not <laughs> not for that one. Me- that is one of the all-time great stories. Dave's version of babysitting is putting a kid in front of Lorex on TV. <laughs> I mean, and you, then, you know, know me the, pretty but, well. That the, sounds about right. No, it does, but the best part of the story was the kid falls asleep like halfway through, and then he wakes up and you play it again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, it worked. <laughs> hey, you like that? Let's watch it again. <laughs> Encore performance. You know, there are a couple of dead periods, I think, in sports, and I think we're kind of entered one of them right now because it's right before the tournament. Playoffs really haven't started. It's after the NFL. You know, the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL, Final Four. Good time for that. you to watch American Pickers. Good time to watch American Pickers. But, you know, the Combine's going on right now. And as we tape this, one of the big news stories of the day, at least from a Carolina Panthers perspective, was Jonathan Stewart getting released by the team. Yeah, love the move. I hate old guys. You just You, you, you can't have... 30-year-old running backs. And I think Jonathan Stewart had a terrific career. And the Panthers, I believe, you correct me if I'm wrong, I think statistically they were just much, much better when he was in the lineup yes, than was. when he was not in the lineup. Yeah. But you can't pay big money to old guys in the NFL, particularly at that position. I don't think it will be overly difficult to find someone that gives you similar production. Right. Probably in the draft, which makes that person cheaper yeah. and has much higher upside. I mean, look at the future of the Saints at running back. The, Kamara makes you forget about Mark Ingram, who had a really, really yeah. good year. Right. I mean, the, the young, inexpensive, fresh-legged back. I mean, Adrian Peterson thought he was going to come back and be the best running back in the league. Marshawn Lynch thought he was going to come back and be the best running back in the league. Nobody wants those guys. Old running backs, bad. Paying money for old running backs, very bad. And it's getting to be in vogue again to draft running backs higher in the draft. Now, I'm not saying... I mean, if you get Todd Gurley, if you get Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, I think that's actually what's happened. There's been a real line of delineation. There are the high, High high-end guys that you can strap it on, three down back, does it all. That's like your offense. And then there's everybody else. But it goes in line, too, with, you know, Marty talking about he kind of has evolved in his, you know, next iteration of being a general manager maybe Marty Herney 1.0 would have kept Jonathan Stewart around another year but it was interesting that he kind of took that uh, you know a lot of people say maybe the the Dave Gettleman approach of just well you wonder if ownership anything to do with it the old man certainly was very very loyal and I don't know that he has any say these days and and maybe loyalty plays a slightly lesser 
role. But, I mean, you invested in McCaffrey, and yeah, he's not a get-the-ball-20-times-a-game runner, but he's going to play a lot of snaps, whether it be at that hybrid position right. or at running back. And I, I don't know, an old plotter. And again, Jonathan Stewart had a really, really good career. Great career. But yeah. I, Very I, good. I mean, will he continue playing? Uh, you know, it's funny. When we started talking about this, that was one of the things I was going to ask you what you thought because, I, I mean, a, a team that maybe feels like they they, they need a stopgap at that position. Uh, or you know, depth. Or, or depth, I mean, like an injury situation. Right. I, I mean, I could see him playing again. I could also see him maybe not. You know, he, he has other interests. I mean, he's a he's a I mean, look musician. at D'Angelo Williams. Yeah. He's, he, he, may, he had a couple good years with Pittsburgh. He's, he, but a perfect spot. He's... Far from the bell cow. Yeah. That's Le'Veon Bell. But in a pinch, right. he's he's very, very capable. But that was the perfect storm, too, because Le'Veon Bell um, had that suspension issue early yeah. on. And, but Jonathan Stewart could be yeah. a backup in Jacksonville or with the Rams right. or in Pittsburgh. Yeah. or Like, I don't think his career needs to end. I just think his reps need to go way right. down, right. dramatically right. He down. Can still, he can still give value to a team. It just... It just Potentially might not be as the number one guy getting 20, 25 right. snaps a game. I wouldn't even want him as my 1B guy. I want him as my right. firm number two. Like, four carries a game unless there's an injury or, you know, there's a scenario where he, he needs to play a lot. If you were in his shoes, what would you do? Would you? I would have retired five years ago and not had a brain injury. Well, I think playing in the NFL is incredibly dangerous and a very bad idea. I admire... Having the, said that, <laughs> if you were in his shoes and you chose to play five more years, what would you do now? Um, I mean, think of it from his perspective, right? I mean, I mean, my guess is because he's a professional athlete. He's super competitive. Because a lot of those guys don't ever know... I'm not saying he's this, but I'm saying in some cases, guys in his predicament don't necessarily know when... Well, I also don't know what his financial through. situation is. That plays a big role too. If he saved well, up I think a lot he of just money, just got married recently. I think they had a kid. Yeah, I, I would. Mean, he's made a lot of money, but does he have a nest egg for I the rest so. he, of his he life? Does not, he does. I don't. I don't recall ever hearing anything about him. I mean, he does not seem to be the the wild free spending type guy. I, I'm I'm sure he has a, a very good financial. Then I get in the media. I mean, it's a lot safer and. There seemed to be jobs available for yeah. former players, and, and he was a prominent player. He played a position in which people are familiar with his name and his work, and yep. he was good at it. And yeah, I, I'd get into media. I mean, our friend Jeff Schwartz was not nearly the player that he was, yeah. and Jeff is doing great. Well, one of the things that Jonathan Stewart has done the last couple of years, he's done. Uh, he's put out some albums. He's done like he yeah. plays the piano. I would see him doing more something like that than getting into the media. Yeah, because he wasn't really one of those guys that would talk. How about profitable it. is that? Yeah, but I, I think in this day and age, though, when if you've put in what ten, and nine, your ten, name is out there, you've got a fan base. No, but I think he's in a like the one great thing that that sports has done for a lot of guys that have saved their money is put them in positions where they don't necessarily have to do things for the sake of working. They can do just something they enjoy to do, and if they make money out of it, great. Yeah, yeah, that, that's you know true, I mean? like, and, and and I hope that's the case. But there's also that stat about players that end up bankrupt after right. however yeah, many Yeah, I'd years. be stunned if, if Jonathan Stewart were that. While we're talking about the Panthers, 
there's some information out about ownership. I think uh, there was a story the other, the other day. I don't know that they're down to two people, but is there any thought? That, this is what I read between the lines of that story. Was it David Newton that yes, wrote uh, this ESPN. story? Yes, ESPN.com, yeah. That there, there are going to be two or three or four other teams up for sale in the next several years and maybe the bidding is going to be less than people think because there are only so many billionaires that can afford to buy the majority piece. Did, did you make anything of that? Uh, well, what I thought was interesting was when the story came out originally, the speculation after Jerry Richardson announced he was going to sell the team was that this team was going to go anywhere from $2.3 billion north of that. And with the article that David Newton wrote suggested that there may be a little bit of a drag on that. Not to say that 2.3 or 2.5 or 2.6 isn't realistic, but just because other teams potentially, uh, other marquee teams potentially... They just have older owners. Older owners, and, and there's just... They're just different opportunities. Yeah, there are only so many people that can buy a team, and would you rather own a team in Denver or in Charlotte? I mean, that that, that was... It wasn't. It didn't say they're not going to get zillions of dollars. It just suggested there might be other opportunities, and there are only so many people that have that sort of capital. But I think there's there's two different views of Charlotte. I think there's a view of what people think Charlotte is from the outside, and then there's maybe a more realistic view of what Charlotte is to people that actually live here. And what I mean by that is uh, a couple of. Uh, a buddy of mine came down with a with a friend of his. They were here for a conference, and I met up with them on Saturday night. And they were they were here since like Wednesday, and we met at uh, Birdsong Brewery and uh, just just on the other side of Uptown in Charlotte. And they were I said so. How, Do they have the jalapeno ale? Uh, no, I'm a higher ground IPA guy. That's right. Um, I I don't really have any interest in trying the jalapeno. I don't want anything. I don't mind being a little experimental with my beer, but that was just too much for me. I don't want the crazy jalapeno stuff. But let me tell you what they said. Um, so they're, you know, and I think when you're from, especially from the Northeast, but anywhere outside of uh, the South, if, if you have, uh, you have an opinion of what the, the Southeast and what Charlotte is like, right? And I think when you, and I think that, that stereotype of Charlotte is kind of a sleepy Southern town and, um, it doesn't have any sophistication and is you know is backwards and you know everything is like Mel's Diner type of thing, right? And, and right. Charlotte is not that. I mean, Charlotte's a very sophisticated, uh, you know, up and coming city, and has a lot of amenities that you see in big cities. Now, it's not New York City, no, uh, but it's starting to ha- it's starting to get its own type of culture. And we had a little bit of an issue with who could go to what bathroom. Yeah, there was that. That, that didn't look real good. No, that didn't look good, but. It, but when you haven't been to Charlotte and you think of it's like this like lazy, sleepy southern town, you know you're not um, you're going to be surprised by what you see here. And I think maybe nationally, for people that haven't been to Charlotte, you look at the owners that have stood up for Charlotte when the team was uh, when they said it was up for sale, like uh, Robert Kraft and uh, Arthur Blank, and they said, no, this is a great market for the NFL to be in. And you know it's growing; it still has. Uh, you know, there's a lot of obviously banking money here, but there's you know there's the entrepreneurial base. A lot of companies are moving here, so you know, Charlotte has a, you know a lot going for it, as opposed to you know uh, you know an old. So what did your friends think? No, they were very impressed with Charlotte. They thought it was uh, they, they thought it was. They, in fact, they said they were pleasantly surprised at how 
modern it was. I don't think what people on the outside realize is no one is from Charlotte. Like, Brett right. McCormick is from Charlotte. But if you walked uptown and you asked 10 people that are working, where did they grow up? Like, one or two right. is from Charlotte. So you don't have that Southern culture you speak of because everyone is a transplant. Right. I mean, you do have to... I mean, there are spots to find that of culture course. in the in, but it's it's not as but when you when you right. walk around Manhattan even though people from every walk of life come to Manhattan you know the New Yorkers right and if you go to Chicago hey, what are you talking about yeah exactly and in and, and Boston and those cities like right. it tends to be a mix maybe 50 50 or 60 40 of, of natives and transplants Charlotte is much stronger with the transplants. So, yeah, of course you can find those, you know, people that have been going to Price's Chicken Coop for 60 right. years. But th that's the misconception, I think. I probably could count on both, you know, both hands the amount of people I know that are actually from, born and raised Charlotte. Yeah, very, very few. And most of the people, I'd say pretty much all the people we hang around with are like us, trans people that moved in from somewhere else. Right, because that's mainly who's there. Yeah. Now, I don't find that the case in Rock Hill, where Winthrop is right. Right. located. Right. I, there are a lot of people that right. grew up in Rock Hill and live in Rock right. Hill. But I don't find that to be the case in Charlotte. Well, it's kind of like when the city started to grow and people started moving in. The the people that were natives here said, I don't want any part of this. And they, they moved out to, like, Gastonia or Union County or any of the surrounding areas. Yep. Well, Dave, we also want to hear from, from our loyal listeners. You know, what uh, what do they think about some of the stuff we're talking about? What do they want us to get into? What are they what are their thoughts? What are their what are the your... NFL season is over, <laughs> college basketball is winding down. Where do we go next with the bearded car cast? Now the good news is we have a way that you can reach out to us. Actually, we have several ways. There's beardedcarcast at outlook.com. You can email us. We're on Twitter, at beardedcarcast. And you can use the hashtag beardedcarcast. Thanks for listening.